Well, a big guest on the OHL podcast this week. So big that if you were to Google his name now, he's still going to show up on his Wikipedia page as a professional boxer. That's following time playing in the NHL's greatest fishbowl and, of course, in the Ontario Hockey League with Oshawa and Sault Ste. Marie. Nathan Parrott joins the pod. Hey, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for making time. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Before we talk about so many things we have to talk about with you, I love to check in on guys whose kids have come through the league and your son, Andrew, just finished. How's Andrew doing? Oh, he's doing good. He, he started the season off in uh, Indiana, uh, Indy Fuel in, in Indianapolis. Sorry, too many ins there. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, it was kind of neat because uh, I played there in the IHL my first couple seasons as a pro. So, and he's actually where they stay is right around the block from the apartment building I I stayed at. I was driving there back in November visiting him, and I was, I was like, man, I lived right there. <laughs> it was kind of neat, but yeah. So that was that was kind of a, a neat thing. And then he recently just got called up to Rockford Ice Hogs in the American League. So he's and he's he's still up. So it's always a good thing, you know. I think, you know, it's going to be tough for him to stay up for the rest of the year just because uh, I think some guys are going to be getting healthy and such. But he's he's done well in his first five or six games he's had. And he he was down in Toronto playing against the Marlies there on Wednesday. They had a Wednesday eleven o'clock game. And he uh, he ended up getting in a fight, and because <laughs> they had all the school kids there, which I thought was kind of funny. He's fighting for all the school kids, but anyway, <laughs> they seemed excited. But he did well, and you know he's 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 a good player. And you know, I mean, obviously his his OHL career, he was one game short there last year with Windsor in the finals. But you know, a. Hamilton had a really strong team, so it was you know it was good that they they pushed him that far. But I think when Hamilton, I think had a little bit of an easier ride to the finals in Windsor. I know like Windsor had a couple of game sevens and I think Hamilton swept their way there. So, you know, fatigue may have played a factor, but anyway. Well, Andrew sure left his mark on the Ontario Hockey League, not just because of that memorable game seven in the OHL final, which had the highest attendance ever, by the way, set a new record there at first Ontario Centre. But what he did, Nathan, around uh, the COVID lockout, year the or the the year that was lost to COVID got all those kids together at that preseason tournament really I think spoke to his commitment to the game and his desire to develop as a player yeah he he really wanted to play yeah you know and he took off to Slovakia and played uh, in the professional league there for a bit too during the COVID stuff so like you know, you know everything was just about trying to get on the ice for him and and continue his development and trying to, you know, achieve his dream of playing in the NHL one day. And, you know, so, you know, I'm really proud of him for all that stuff and being able to, uh, you know, help the other kids. You know, I can't remember how many kids ended up getting drafted out of that, but I think there was a few and, you know, it was, you know, I mean, it was really good hockey, actually. It was, it was pretty exciting to watch. I thought that showcase he put on went really well. You talked actually, about. Oh, sorry. I was just going to mention one thing. I believe the highest it, the, the most scouts they had there at any of the day, there was like 72 NHL scouts. I think it was something like, and GMs and stuff. So like, you know I mean? It wasn't like they just put on a showcase and here you go, you know, watch it on internet and all like there was, there was over 70 NHL uh, scouts and GMs there. So it went, it went well that way too. There's right. no question. No, he was, uh, he was terrific and a real driving force behind it. When you mentioned Indianapolis, I couldn't help but think, because yes, you did play there, and you played there with a guy by the name of Dale 
the gray who is still of course the stuff of legend and no one's out and had your boy with the attack for a little while as the gm of course yeah no it was it, it was funny when that that all happened and i actually i was uh i don't know what you'd call me uh um i coached there for a couple of years but i was like um associate coach you know i mean, I'd just come on practice and some of the games and some of the road trips i'd make but you know i mean it was just kind of some skill development stuff but yeah, it was, it was yeah. So when he got traded there, it was nice, and it was nice and close to me because I live up in the near Owen Sound, so I got to watch a lot of the games. And, you know, Dale has always been great. You know, and great GM. He's done a great job there in Owen Sound. You know, they're, they're I think they have a pretty good team this year again too. I know I know you know Windsor strong again, and London's always strong, and Sarnia seems to be really really good this year too. So. Tough, tough division. The the eastern or western side. It sure is. Yeah. It, so it's it's Digger in Indianapolis that you played with, and then Andrew finishes with Windsor and Mark Savard. And I'm I'm just going to guess, Nate, that Savvy was the guy you were supposed to protect in Oshawa when you played together. Is that about it? <laughs> well, yeah, he, I think you protect me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he used to, and yeah, I probably shouldn't say this, but he used to go around and poke guys after the whistle and just like go, you know, like not spear them, but just give them little hacks in the back of the legs just so they would do something. So I would get in a fight. <laughs> he was trying to, you know, I wanted to watch you fight. He'd tell me. <laughs> so yeah, he, some guys didn't really like him too. But he was like, man, he was an amazing hot boy. Even at a pro level, he was amazing. But junior, like, man, I think, would he have 145 points his best year or something crazy like that? Like, he was really, really super talented. And, you know, when I got traded to the Sioux and Joe Thornton was there, it was kind of funny because they were probably the two best players in junior hockey at that time as far as point production goes. And, you know, it was there were such different players, though. But for me, it was just kind of like, you know, it, and he go, <laughs> I was pretty spoiled. I, I had to say the length of my junior career, but yeah, I had some good players to play with for sure. Well, Savvy may have put up 145 points, but you put up 180 PIMS after that trade to the Sioux. Yeah, we and I broke my leg that year, and, and I, you know I put up a lot of PIMS, and I, I you know I mean obviously I fought a lot, but I was on pace for about 45, maybe 50 goals if I would have got lucky. At the end, but when I broke my leg, it was right after the Christmas break. I I, uh, I just got hit with a body check, and the ice was kind of soft, and I knew skates, and I turned, and just it, my leg twisted, and my foot didn't kind of thing, and it snapped my tibia. Yeah, it was pretty painful, but I was out for, I think, eight weeks, and I kind of rushed back just for the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, I, I played a few regular season games after. I can't remember how many it was, and I think I played – 37 games that year but you know probably four of them I was still hurting but yeah I was you know I was battling for a contract that year it was because I was drafted second round to New Jersey in 95 and they offered me a contract after my second year and because I uh, had a late birthday I don't go back in the draft I become an unrestricted free agent so you know I mean my agent at the time thought it would you know i mean because i hadn't played that many years junior i was late coming into the league he said you should maybe play another year and see where the marketplace will dictate where you are kind of thing so i ended up like financially it worked out pretty good i signed with chicago instead of jersey and i got uh it got probably twice yeah i was definitely twice the signing bonus anyways that what new jersey was offering so it was 
you know, it was looking back, you know, I think maybe signing with Jersey may have been a better way to go. Like if I could do it again, but you know, obviously gotta, you know, live in the sleep in the bed I made. Right. But it, it was, uh, I just kind of think like Jersey was pretty committed. Like uh, Lou Lamorell, I just, he, he even invited me to camp late years later. It was like my second last NHL camp. I went to New Jersey's and he, you know, I mean, he had no, you know, reason he had to but I guess other than liking me as a player and, and you know being loyal to his guys he, Lou was really good like that so that was good and when I was in Chicago um, Bob Murray was the one that signed me signed me to the contract and then they went through a lot of changes in those, those years they were um, they were struggling I know I remember and they weren't very very strong team and you know I mean I think they had three different GMs and probably four four different coaches, maybe five even when I was there as a player because I was with the organization. I got traded in my fifth season when I was with the Hawks, but they they went through a lot of different bodies, right? So no one, no one you know, really committed to your development kind of thing. And I'm not trying to point any fingers. You know, as an adult and a professional athlete, you got to, you know, take care of your own business on the ice kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, guy drafts, he's he wants you to do well, right? He tries gives you an extra little chance, maybe you know when you're struggling, as opposed to, you know, someone you just kind of found when you got a new job, kind of thing, right? So, I had, you know, I liked Chicago organization. It was I had some good good years there for sure. Made a lot of good friends. And it's just they always changed. Like we went from Indianapolis, then we went to Cleveland, and then to Norfolk. So it wasn't just. Changing the GMs too. They changed the farm team almost every year. It seemed like so. It was always, you know, get up and move again. And, you, know. you got to see a lot of North America. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Go look at my hockey DB. You see, I've I've seen a lot of the world. But yeah, no, it's a good thing with hockey though. You get to travel and see stuff. So it's cool. Well, you mentioned that you know, looking back, maybe you should have stuck it out with Jersey. Do you think the opportunity would have been better there to crack the NHL lineup sooner? Uh, maybe not sooner. I don't know. Like I, th- I needed time to develop, and you know, I'm you know, when you're young, you don't probably have the wisdom that to see it. Then you know, you're always in a rush to get to the get to the NHL and get up there as fast as possible. So I just think that if you look at the Jersey teams in the you know early, mid, and, and late '90s, they were. There was players almost on every team in the NHL that went through the Jer- New Jersey development system, right? Like in Albany and, and their East Coast League team. Like they just they were really good at developing players back then. And like, you know, most teams are, right? Like that's how they do it. But it just I don't know, maybe it was just because I got drafted there and I just thought they did, but <laughs> but I don't I don't know. It just seemed like I, everywhere I play that like you'd see someone, you know, you'd see in the NHL there'd always be guys from Jersey around, right? Like that were played in their organization at some point, but you know, I guess it's a small world hockey world is, but for sure it is. You you made your NHL debut with the Nashville Predators. What was that game like? What do you remember of the debut? Oh, I had a I had a clear cut breakaway uh, five seconds into my first shift. <laughs> it was awesome. I stepped on the ice. I had a breakaway. It was like, oh, this is awesome. And I, I I was like, I'm gonna go top glove, and I, I shot top glove, but I, I it was really high and really flat. I probably would have missed the soccer net. I was squeezing my stick so hard. So, you know, I finished the shift and got back to the bench and I was like, you know, I was pretty disappointed with 
Yeah, I should have just like tried to shoot five hole in the net or something or crash and say anything but missing the net. But I, uh, so I got back to the bench and I was thinking, oh, geez, like, you know, and then I got on my second shift and I uh, had a good fight with Jody Shelley. I, I lined up against him, called him on. And, and in that year, he was winning all of his fights. So he was obviously, you know, he one of the tougher guys in the NHL back then. But a friend of mine that was on the team, Brett Harkins, he was telling me, he, man, he beat up LaRock this year. He's beat up everyone. It was the first time I've seen him lose this year. So it was, you know, it was a good fight. I don't know. It's on YouTube or whatever. But anyway, so we ended up winning the game in overtime. So it was a good a good first game anyways, you know, other than I probably should have scored five seconds into it. But <laughs> well, well. <laughs> the story of my, my pro career, I was never a goal scorer. <laughs> scored a lot of goals in junior, though, I guess, but. <laughs> yeah, you put up a share. You were talking about, you know, when you were up there in the Sioux and you would have been on pace for 40 plus that year. That's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I think I had just under, like I played, what did I play that year? 40 games. I had 20 goals or something. But my second year, I had 30 goals. So it was, you know, it, I had the ability to put the puck in the net once in a while. I think I just, you know, tried real hard and <laughs> just kept shooting it as many times as possible. Eventually, it's going to go in. But, yeah. <laughs> Because of the way you played, though, did you did you buy yourself a little bit of extra space out there on the ice? Oh, I needed every every bit of it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, for, no, for sure though. Like if you're if you know you're going into the corner, and I'm probably you know ninety nine times out of a hundred looking for a hit instead of the puck. I mean, sometimes guys kind of hesitate a little bit. Not not everyone, but, you know, it gives you a little bit. And you notice it, right? It helps for sure. You know, get a little extra time and space offensively is always what you're trying to create. And, you know, take it away defensively. But it's, you know, I don't know. I guess I when I did play, I was kind of known as being a little crazy. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know how much I was just playing into it, trying to get more space. But, but you know, I did. I did have a couple of fights along the way. So, well, I was going to say, however, would you get a reputation like that as a little crazy, huh? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, yeah, I remember. Well, the one I, 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 I would say, do I like fighting? I did. I liked the competition of it or whatever. It didn't like hurt anyone, but they just, it was fun, right? You just drop your gloves and have a good fight. You know, if you get bloody a little bit, it's like you know, you never want anyone to get hurt too bad, but you know, you just wanted to win the fight and help your team win. So we were playing a game on TSN, and I just scored, I think, my – it was either my first or second goal of the game. I, scored, I remember I had two goals and assists that game. But right after the goal, we were I were lining up, and I, I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I could. But – and I was like – I turned and I looked at him. I said, you want to go? And he's – like, and we were up in the game by a couple goals, and, like, he's the one that should have been asking me to fight, right? He's looking at me funny. He's like – I guess like why you call? Why you, you just scored a goal? Why you calling me on? But just you know, I mean, I was like, I'm on TV. I'm on TV. I gotta, I gotta get in a fight. <laughs> so I can score any day. I gotta fight. This is national TV game. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it was a little different back then, I guess. But oh. most people that I even still talk to to this day say, when you were in the league you were the toughest customer. Did guys shy away from you or was there somebody that you made your mark against in the O? Oh, like there was, man, I remember having some tough, I lost one fight. I remember convincingly to Frederick Oduya. If you remember that name, he played I up sure do. Yeah. He was tough. Like, and he like, he threw, he threw from weird angles. Like I, I was a good, 
I learned a lot from that fight because it was just, you know, I mean, it's kind of the way I, if I was teaching someone how to fight, I'd teach them that anyways. But yeah, I don't, it, it was just, it was like, you weren't allowed to take your jersey or your helmet off. Sorry. So if you took your helmet off, they, I was a rookie and like, you can't take your helmet off. You'll get a big suspension or a big fine for the team. Right. They didn't want to pay this. I think it was 500 bucks or whatever it was. So I was like, Oh, that's a lot of money. I'm not going to take my helmet off. And he, we, we grabbed each other and we were going to fight and he starts kind of held me out because he was really tall. And he's like, he grabs his chin strap and he's like, let's go buckets. And I was like, I was all confused. I was like, well, I, I can't. I'm all allowed. They told me not to. <laughs> I was like, anyway. So then I was like, I kind of paused for a second. And then all of a sudden I got hit with this tire iron. I was like, who's throwing bats at me from the stands or something? I was like, what, what's going on? And all, all of a sudden he hit me again. And I was like, and I tried to throw a punch back, but he had me off balance at this time. Like, I was just like, yeah, okay, stay focused. Don't don't lose your focus in a fight because it could go horribly bad. But I end up, I end up fighting a couple more him a couple more times in, in my career. I think, but we had some good fight. He was tough, and oh man, there was all kinds of tough guys back then. Matt, remember Matt Johnson got sent back from the NHL to Peterborough for a bit of that season. Remember they had that lockout. And he was back for like half a season. I remember guys were just tiptoeing around him. <laughs> no one wanted to go near him. I never got on the ice with him because I was on. I was like, oh, thank God I'm on the first line, right? Because I was playing with Savard and uh, Larry Corville at the time. So he and he was like a third liner. So I was like, I yeah. So I was just like, okay, I don't. I don't have to fight him today. That's good. <laughs> I don't. I can stay away from him. I'm not. I'm not just no scared, but. Yeah, it was. But it had, there was, you know, I mean, it seemed like every team back then had a few guys that were really tough. So, Stan Butler was your coach in Oshawa, and of course, he's just back into the Ontario Hockey League for another go around with the Erie Otters. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, no, Stan was great for me. I it was his first couple of years in the O back then. I mean, yeah, he's been he's been around for quite a while. He's had an amazing career for sure. Coaching in the OHL, he had that little stint at West there, and what was that? Port uh, Prince George. I Prince think. George, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's done great. Yeah, but it, yeah, uh, he was he was hard. Like he wasn't. I should. You I mean looking back, I can say he was great when I was in it with him. Like I, you know, I mean, he was he was a tough tough coach. Demanded a lot and wanted you know the best. And he he did a great job of getting the best out of his players for sure. You know, but. Looking back, he was he was the coach I needed at that time for sure. You needed somebody that was a little stricter, kind of kept you in line a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's strict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kept me, yeah, uh, kept my, kept me focused. Except for the, except for telling me not to take my helmet off. <laughs> <laughs> I blame him for that one though. <laughs> no. What was yeah. it like getting traded up to? the suit i mean you can't go further north than that in the o you're coming from a small town Oshawa's not the biggest and all of a sudden you're out of southern ontario and up to sault ste marie time the ohl you could only play two overagers back then and we had three 
And all the overages were really good. Brian Lindsay and Jan Snowpeck were the other two guys. And so they were just rotating us. And, like, I, I was playing for a contract, you know, and it was the second round or whatever. And I just was like, okay, I I went <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. I went and talked to the GM, and I was like, "Listen, I need to, I need to be in the lineup every night." And you know, because I get, you know, we got three good, three good uh, overagers. Like, oh, I would mind trading me? And he was like, "Yeah, where do you want to go?" And you know, Joe Thornton was up in the Sioux, and they had a good team, and they're, you know, you could see they were gonna have a real good team, like have a push to win it, right? So I was like, "Can I go to the Sioux?" And you know, it was kind of, and they were like, "Yeah, sure." They would. We'll try to make that happen, and they were great about it. Just you know, sent me up there because that's kind of where I picked to go, you know. And, and you know, I mean, would like you know, like I said, going from Savard to Thornton is you know, what I mean, you're not missing a beat there, right? Like, so like you know, two of the most talented guys that were in the league, like they were two the two most talented guys in the OHL at the time for sure. So yeah, so it was good and it was kind of funny Osh ends up winning the championship that year after I left <laughs> I felt like we got hoes like uh Brian Wiesenberg and you remember him from Guelph yep yeah he's a great player great player but there it was a crazy story because we're we're playing the game I think we're up one nothing in the series in the second game uh a linesman got hurt so they only they continued the game and they, back then they only had one rep so there was only one linesman and one ref on the ice. And the it was like, we were up by a goal and there was like a minute and a half left in the game. And the linesman, one that's left was picking up a broken stick. So he didn't see what happened. And the ref with the side of the net or whatever, he missed what happened. The puck got shot at our goalie. It rebound popped up in the air. Wiesenberg grabbed it with his hand and threw it in the net. And I remember on the news that night watching it, you can clearly see, grabs it with his hand and throws it in the net, but no one saw it, so it counts. It's a goal, right? So we go to overtime, you know, like a minute in, Wiesenberg comes out and scores an unbelievable goal. Like, it was just like, you know, highlight real goal. And it was like, oh, and it just kind of like, I don't know what it was, but it just kind of popped the air out of the balloon, and we just, I don't know, we couldn't recover. Like, the team just kind of, collapsed it on itself and they kind of marched on and and beat us in the series and i you know i mean we had a really good team i remember we had mark morrow he came up there uh and he was you know he was really good defenseman rick jackman and he was fifth overall player uh drafted dallas i'm trying to think all the other guys we had a really strong team though and just ended up yeah so, you know that's why they play the games right <laughs> oh so, yeah. yeah obviously golf had a good team too that year so <laughs> they ended up beating us but Oshawa had the best so they ended up <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why they play the games but you're not supposed to be able yeah. to throw the puck in the net come on no I know I know but just a quick like just like if the one linesman doesn't get hurt and he's there and he sees it you know the other linesman doesn't pick up the stick in the middle of a play like, like you only anyway so it just whatever. And if it happened today, they'd go to the video replay and, and see it, right? So it just, yeah, you know, just happened to be, you know, it is what it is, and yeah, it's kind of funny. And then started my pro career after that. <laughs> what was it like playing with Jumbo? Oh, he was great. Like, such a fun guy too. He was always smiling and happy, and you know, a good sense of humor, and you know, like unbelievable talent though. Like you get on the ice and you'd like. Sometimes I remember, I remember like thinking I had to go support him to help him, 
because he'd have two guys on him and it didn't matter. It was like, that's it. And I was like, I could have, I should have went to the net. I've been wide open. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, you just do things. You're like, how do you even do that? Like, I can't do that. <laughs> no, but yeah, he was, he was a pretty special talent. You know, I mean, like when I compare him and Mark, like Mark was really creative and, and skilled with the puck. And not that Joe wasn't, but he didn't, Joe had that physical strength where he, he could, out muscle guys and stuff were like, you know, Mark would have to skill you, you know, he wasn't, you know, I know I don't mean any offense to Mark. He was just, you know, different body types and, you know, Joe was big and strong and had a lot of height. And Mark's probably what, five, nine, five, 10, whatever he is. But, you know, he was just this naturally skilled, smart, creative hockey player. Like, you know, you could sauce it through three guys' legs and, you'd be like oh that was lucky and then he'd do it the next shift you're like oh okay and then again you know like he was that you know that talented with the puck so it was just dude they just had two different types of games but both incredible you know a guy that played your style obviously would have uh let's say attracted the attention of the opposing fan base were there any arenas where they gave it to you pretty bad north bay yeah, North Bay. Yeah. North Bay was always the the worst, I believe. Yeah, I think I think it was the way the stadium is there because you walk right by the fans on the way out. They're like, yep. right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're they're right there on top of you, and they just yeah, they're letting you know what they think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think most of the arenas like you know, what is it? Kingston was like that to the old. Remember the old? Oh Kingston? my gosh, the old barn. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was like that. I, but I remember I shouldn't I shouldn't probably tell the story. We had a guy. I'm not gonna say who it was, but he ended up punching the 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 mascot for a team. What's yeah? This guy had a really hard punch, so I'm surprised he didn't get charged. But yeah, anyway, but yeah, mascots. Were, oh come yeah. on, the mascot's got all that padding. I know exactly. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. That's pretty great. So how did you develop your style? You know, you talked earlier, like if you were, if you were teaching somebody how to fight in hockey, you know, you would use some of the lessons that you learned along the way. What, how did you develop your own technique? Just trial and error, I guess. <laughs> you know I mean? Like we fought a lot back then. So when I, I played junior C hockey, my, my draft eligible year, my, so my first year of midget, I was, you're allowed to play junior C then. And or junior B or whatever. So I was playing junior C in Walkerton and then we had a really tough team. And so I, I, you know, I mean, I'd fight a little bit. I had a few fights that year, but not many, but we had guys on our team. That's all they did. Like just come in and, you know, they wanted to fight. And remember a guy, Mike Bajerni. I don't know if you remember that name. He played in the Quebec senior league. I think might've played a little bit in the central league. I, I can't remember exactly, but he was, he was a big, strong, tough player. Anyway, so, you know, we learned from that. And then I went and played St. Mary's the next year in junior B. And we had, again, we had a couple more guys I played with. Like, we had a really – we won the championship that year, but we had a tough team. Like, we had – I had 200 and – was it 230 minutes, I think it was, in penalties that year? Probably, like, 30-some fights. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I was third on the team in penalty minutes. So, you know, and that was, that's a lot of power. So, yeah. So, and like every, it seemed like everyone on our team wanted to fight back then. And we, we won, I think we won 42 out of 48 game schedule or something like that. Yeah. So we were like, 
it's tough but really good as well. So and then I mean you come to junior, you just I don't know. Guys work on stuff after practice and just figure out what you do. But I remember remember oh, what's his name? Perna. Yanni Perna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All defenseman with with he was with Niagara. And I was fighting him in Oshawa, I remember, and I was throwing rights and I couldn't reach him because he was so tall, right? And I just I said I just switched to left because I was just eating his punches like he was just feeding me. And I switched to left and then I I just like I won the fight convincingly after that. Like I just went to town and I was like, wow, that works. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing that, <laughs> you know. But it's a more aggressive style when you try to trade punches, right? If I'm throwing lefts and the other guy's throwing rights, like I'm probably gonna have to eat a couple to to do it. But I was like, well, I can I can out punch them and you know and see who's tougher and <laughs> go from there. Not all didn't work out all the time for me, but sometimes I was, you know. But yeah, I was. It's kind of how it. I got into throwing both hands too a lot because. When you switch, if you switch at the right moment and you do it correctly, it's a very effective way of fighting. If you're shorter like me, I wasn't too short, but I'm not. I'm only six feet, so this most of the guys I fought were taller. Well, that might have uh, set you up for your fight in the pros when you took on the tallest guy in the entire league at six ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to eat a big punch to get him. I, I feel like I won the fight, but he split me open for a couple of stitches trying to get inside on him. But yeah, Mitch Fritz, he was you're a great guy. It was funny, it was in training camp too when I fought him in Nashville. But yeah, yeah, but you know, that's we're both doing the same job trying to make a team. So here we go, you know, that's how it kind of went back then. Actually, when I was in New Jersey, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh Trying to remember his name, but we were on the same team. He was a tough guy from the Western League. I don't think he had much of a pro career because he ended up getting concussions, but he was really tough. But we were on the same team. So Jersey had three teams, and one team would practice and the other two would play. So our first day of practice, we're doing this one-on-one drill in the corner. Puck, the coach would throw the puck in the corner, and you kind of go battle it out, right? And the guy, he oh, – what was his name? Oh, it's terrible. Sorry, I won't – well not anymore but he he taps me on the shin pads and he's like do you want to go and i'm like yeah i do <laughs> so the coach dumps the bucket we drop our gloves and start fighting right in practice and it wasn't nothing like malicious it's just two guys trying to make a hockey team right and so we start fighting and then ken danico this guy's like the shaved down grizzly bear like he's massive and he grabs me from behind puts me in a bear hug and I go down to my knees and he's holding me. I can't move. And this guy just starts teeing off on me on my, when I'm on my knees. I'm like, hit me. I'm looking at him. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I can't even move. What are you doing? <laughs> but I think he was just in the heat of the moment. You know what I mean? I get it. Like you're in a fight and you know, sometimes the linesmen jump in. You don't really break up, right? You, you try to, but like, you know, it's an emotional you know, it's adrenaline rush and, you know, I mean, you're going and it takes, sometimes it takes a second, but he ended up stopping. I was like, Ken, what do you think? I'm still buddies with Ken actually today. He's a really nice guy. I always kind of tease him about that. Like I said, you got me cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he did. He's got at least buy you a steak dinner or something. Yeah, after that. Well, he did. He actually okay, yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. No, he's good. <laughs> Man, I couldn't move. He's too strong. He's holding me. I was like, I couldn't even move. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> don't see that very often anymore. I don't think. <laughs> I remember my last my last training camp there with Jersey. This was years back. Uh, Claude Julian was the coach. So the first day he's driving me to the rink, and he's like, "Hey, Nathan, you're like, you know, you get a chance to fight in exhibition games if you want." But he goes. He goes. We don't really have won any fights in in uh, in inter squad games. And I was like, I go, Claude. I go. You know, I can. I'm not going to get you 20 goals this year, but I can definitely get 20 fights. You know, let me let me practice, right? Like, I get to practice my shot. I don't get to practice fighting. You know, like let me try and make the team at least. But yeah, he just kind of laughed, and I was like, oh, okay, so I guess I don't fight. I don't. Oh, but, but yeah, anyway, yeah, game changed quite a bit over the few years there. It certainly has. How do you feel about it today? Yeah, I, yeah, how do I feel? Try to be politically correct with saying that, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's for the best thing. You know, I mean, it was kind of nice when guys would be able to police themselves a little bit more. You know, I mean, it seemed like a cleaner game at times, but you know, I mean, the skill's great. Like, don't. I never try to knock that part of the game, but I remember. So I played over in Switzerland, and I never played a game. I I, I got a silver medal. I was with SC Burn for a playoff run. John Van Boxmeer was a coach, and he he brought me over. It was like the year after I played with Dallas. I, I couldn't get a job, anyways, and I was I just working. I was actually boxing amateurly at the time, just to stay in shape, and. And I got a call from him, and he said, "You want to come over and help us playoffs?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay." But the inner the I forget the guy. The guy he was the head of the International Ice Hockey Federation. He was a Swiss guy, right? And he always say, "Well, we got to get fighting out of the game. It's terrible and all this." And I was like, "Well, I spent a little time in Switzerland at playoffs." And after every game, because I'd come out right after because I didn't play any games. I'd just watch, but take the warm-up and try and intimidate the other team was all they had me do. It was hilarious. Paid me good to do it, though. It was awesome. Great experience. I loved Switzerland. I was like, yeah, I wish I was a better player. I could get, actually could get in the game. But it's great, great, great people over there. But, yeah, so you come out of the arena, though, and there's, like, uh, there's, you know, cops with all their, their riot gear and the dogs and all these made, like, these riot fences that try and control police and then there's fights everywhere like everyone you know they they're having a good time at the game they get all amped up and they come out and just they, there's brawls everywhere like it was crazy i couldn't believe how many fights there was after I, more fights i ever seen over there in switzerland after a game than anywhere else right and i was like well that's got to be way better than a couple trained athletes under controlled environments then these guys, you know, drunk kids in the in the streets fighting. That's that makes way more sense to do it out there than on the ice. That's kind of the way I looked at it. It was like you think you'd want us fighting on the ice, and maybe they'd calm the kids down a bit and not have so maybe it wouldn't work over there. I don't know, but I I thought it made more sense my way. But you know. it sure does. I'd have to agree with that. Now I thought it was only soccer hooligans when it came to fans like that. I didn't know what happened in hockey. It, it's when I was there, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Everywhere we went, it would happen. It wasn't just like I played, I was with SC Bern, so in, like in Bern, Switzerland, but we played Geneva the first round and then Zug, Zug which is like a little suburb of Zurich, and then uh, Davos in the final. We lost one nothing in the final. So mad. But I have the jersey still. So that's only my only proof. There's no hockey DB about it, but I got. I got paid, and it was a it was a great seven week 
paid vacation in Switzerland for me. So yeah, <laughs> it was awesome there. Like, honestly, like it was funny, I, a funny story. So the trainer, I ended up becoming good friends with him. Right. And he was a, a pro boxer at, at a time and he had an injury and had to, had to stop boxing. So he goes to me one day after practice, he goes, Nathan, I got a guy for you to spar with. He's a heavyweight. And he's like, there's not many heavyweights here in Switzerland. So would you mind going and, and doing some sparring with him? I'm like, yeah, of course. And so he drives me out to this boxing club and, and there's like, I couldn't be the only people there just to watch a spar. Right. And I come in and we're spar. We start off and all of a sudden I catch him with a big left hook early in the first round. And then, you know, I mean, obviously he was, he was a pretty good fighter and we were just, we had five rounds where we just beat the crap out of each other. And then, like it was hard. And after the fifth round, I was like, I go to the train. I'm like, I'm, his name was Sasha. Well, Sasha, I'm done. I'm tired. And so it was like, okay, it was good. It was, it was a good sparring session anyways. And I was like, and I was just early in my boxing career then too. But he was, I was like, that guy, you just said he just started. I go, man, that guy was really good. He was, you know, and he was like, oh, I goes, and we're driving back after. He's like, he's like, yeah, I, I didn't want to make you nervous, but He's fighting for the Swiss heavyweight championship in two weeks. And he wanted to get so I was like, what? He ended up winning too. He ended up winning it. So I got I felt like I helped him win. But he was like, I didn't want to make you nervous. He goes, I'm really glad you didn't get hurt because I, I would have felt I would have had to explain it to the GM why he got hurt. <laughs> I was like, oh I, go, I wouldn't have said anything if I did, but yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> so it sounds like there wasn't any choice but for you to end up turning into a boxer oh i wanted to box like i wasn't like i was so how how did i choose to box? so before i went to training camp in new jersey the my last my second last training camp i went out and trained in santa monica the one summer like so after the year i played with the dallas stars and then i went out and trained out there and i trained at this boxing gym just to stay in shape and um, Bob Dylan owned it and he had a synagogue upstairs and a coffee shop and downstairs was a boxing gym. Come on. Wait a minute. Bob yeah. Dylan owned yeah. the gym. where. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and the trainer, the trainer there, he used to run uh, training camps for um, what's his name? Sugar Ray uh, Leonard. Sugar yeah, Ray Sugar Leonard. Leonard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he used to run training camps for him, right? And he was, he was a good trainer, right? Anyway, so I used to always show up early because they had this, uh, they had, what do they call it? Top 10 model boxing. So they had these girls, like these models come in and they were a full cage and they, they'd box. So I'd always show up, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, model boxing. I want to watch. <laughs> you know, just, it was entertaining, right? It was good. <laughs> just leave it at that. Anyway, you know, introduce myself, you know, okay. I'm like box, but it was great. Like, uh, Gary Sinise was there. Uh, Peter Berg. So I used to spar with Peter Berg. And uh, you know, the, the yeah, so it was, it was pretty cool. I'd meet all these actors and stuff, and you know, they'd come in and you know, they'd be you know, the, the trainer. So he the, the trainer said to me though, he goes, Nathan, you you could probably be a pro boxer, you could be a heavyweight boxer, like you because like, I can punch hard, right? So he's like, you know, he goes, You need some training and stuff. So anyway, so he said that. So a guy I knew in LA knew a strength coach who lived in New Jersey, used to work with New York Rangers and worked with a lot of the devil players and stuff. But he was also a strength coach for boxing as well. So when I went to camp with Jersey, I ended up 
meeting this guy through a mutual friend in LA. And so I started going and seeing Tommy Brooks as a trainer when I was in training camp with the devils that year. So I'd go and train with uh, Tom, you know, he was Mike Tyson and Manor Holyfield's trainer and stuff. So, yeah. So I kind of got into it there. And then when I got released from the devils, the, I went to Toronto and I just started doing some, I was actually playing with the Marlies at the time for a little bit. And I started just doing amateur boxing just for fun and kind of went from there. How much different is it? Boxing, as opposed to, I mean, it's got to be technique and everything, but fighting and yeah. hockey and boxing. Yeah, it's so much different. You yeah. Can't even, yeah, like, you know I mean? Both, you have to be really tough. Like, there's no question about that. But, you know I mean? In hockey, if I didn't feel like fighting, I, I just didn't fight, right? Like, I, Or even if I did fight, I could just slip on the banana peel if it wasn't going well. You know what I mean? Or tie the guy up, you know? Like, in a boxing match, you get in there, like, you know, bring in half naked and, and you know, your gloves on and here try and kill each other. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's no playing boxing. I'll say that. Like it's, it's, it's real. Like it's, it's really hard. You know, it's tough. Like, yeah, he was, yeah. I remember my first fight went well and it was funny cause it's down in Philly and um, yeah, I had a bunch of guys like Mark Bell. I was friends with cause we played in uh, Norfolk together and he was with Philly at the time. And so he brought a bunch of the guys from the team. And what was the guy's name? There was a couple of their star players were there too, right? So we're, my fight was at this, uh, what was it called? They shot some of Rocky too at this uh, play. I think they tore it down though. I forget the name of the play, Blue Horizon. It's called Blue Horizon. But they uh, they had, um, they shot some of the Rocky movie at it though anyways. But it was a real tough, it was in a, like, you know, maybe a rougher neighborhood and, yeah, it was it was quite the experience. But all these guys from the the Flyers came and watched me have my first pro match, which was cool. And I'm really glad I won that one. <laughs> anyway, it worked out. It worked out pretty good. But yeah, my next fight didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a tough sport, right? This it's hard to be really good at it. Well, I'm just listening to all of this from the hockey experiences to the boxing experiences. Are you afraid of anything? Like you gotta, you gotta have some kind of courage, Rock, to stand in there knowing that the next person's just the guy opposite you is going to punch you as many times as he can until you fall down. Maybe it's just stupidity. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it was a, like you said, a firefight. Like, like I got no problem running into a burning building either. So I don't know. Yeah, I think I have to be missing a few brain cells or something. But you know, you train for it though. Like, you know, and you, yeah, I look at like, I've had in the last seven years, I think I've had five surgeries. I tore both my biceps. I had a shoulder reconstruction, I had a knee surgery, and I had my nose fixed because I broke it like 15 times and I couldn't breathe out it anymore, right? So I had to get that fixed. So I haven't boxed since I, I stopped sparring ever since I did the nose surgery because I didn't want to, 
I didn't want to break it again because I guess the next time you do the nose surgery, it's not as effective. So, and I feel, I feel great. I can breathe through my nose finally. Like it's been, I can't remember how long it was that I couldn't breathe through my nose, but yeah. Most of us take that for granted, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's times when you can do it, right? But so I, you know, it's you pay a price for it, right? Like physically, like I'm like, I need a knee replacement. I need a shoulder replacement eventually. And, you know, like you got to sacrifice that part of your body to do those kind of things for time. You know, it's, you know, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all just from wear and tear, right? Like, especially like shoulders more from body checking than anything. Like, you know, I mean, I got, that was part of my game. I had to hit and it was like every shift you're looking to hit somebody, like just hit, hit, hit. And especially when you play most of your career in minor pro, right? Like IHL and AHL, it's, you, you do it probably more frequently than you would in the NHL when you're playing a lot more. Cause you know, play like, I think I average like five minutes a night in the NHL when I was in the lineup. And then, you know I mean? In the American league, I was, I was on top line guy. I was, I played like, Usually in the second line for most of my most of my career, I'd say, and I got power play time. But I was, you know, I played a lot more. So you're playing, you know, between fifteen and twenty minutes, so you get a lot more opportunity to get body contact and a lot more fighting and stuff. I think in my second year pro was my most fights I had. I had thirty seven fighting majors that year. The lockout year was my second most. I think I had thirty five or thirty four, something like that, fighting majors. But most years I, I don't. The only year I had under 20 fight fighting majors was my year with the Leafs. And that was, or no, I guess Dallas that year too. So the two, when I was in Toronto and when I was in Dallas, I only, I had 16 fights in Toronto, but I only played 40 games. Right. So I was almost fighting every other game still. So I think I average, I was like right in between every other game or every third game. I usually had a fighting major when I was my pro career. So it was like, I, I stayed busy. Right. It wasn't like I was just, <laughs> yeah. I, I would get the sense that a coach like Pat Quinn would have enjoyed that part of your game. Yeah. Well, I got a funny story. With that. So Pat comes up to me the one day and he's like, you know, he's putting pa- uh, Ponikarowski in instead of me. And he's like, Nathan, I'm going with a skill tonight. And I looked at him, I said, Pat, hard work's a skill. <laughs> he kind of chuckled to himself. He goes, well, not tonight. You're watching the game. <laughs> Walked away, kind of smirking. But I was like, I mean, all what am I gonna say? Yeah, he was great though. He was, what a, he was a great coach. I liked, I like playing for him because you knew he'd play you too. He'd play you if you're in the lineup, which was, which was nice. And he was, man, he gave the best locker room pregame talk of any coach I ever had. He, would, you know, I don't know what he said, but whatever it was, I felt like I could run through a brick wall no problem when he after he was done. So. He was good at it, that's for sure. I believe it was also there that you had the opportunity to start a game, and you had Matt Sundin at center and Alex McGillney on, or McGillney at center, Sundin on the other wing, whatever it was like. No, yeah, Sundin was in center and yeah. McGillney. So, yeah, I was on the right wing. I remember nationally at the Listen to Nashley. Yeah, it was the only game I got to start. It was pretty awesome, right? Like, anyways, it, Caberlet and, and McCabe on the point, Ned Belfort and that, right? So I was like, all star team and me. <laughs> but it was amazing, right? Anyway, so McGillney comes up to me and I, they call him Alamo, right? He's like, hey, Nathan, 
do you mind do you mind playing your off wing tonight? Because I, I kind of like playing my off wing. I was like, man, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> like, like, who am I? I'm not gonna say no. Like, what? Yeah, I can play my off wing, no problem. <laughs> so I, after the after the national anthem, I went and lined up on the left side and played left wing that night. But yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I had a man. I had a few scoring chances, and we ended up getting blown out. I remember we lost the game like eight three. I think it was or. Eight four and like I wasn't even I didn't even get scored against but uh, I just I had a couple chances I hit the post once or twice yeah if those go in though maybe I get in the second game that's why I always wanted to play like even though I fought a lot I always wanted to be like like Cam Neely or, or like Rick Tockett or, or Wendell Clark you know what I mean those were my favorite players growing up watching them you know but I guess I, like a Wilson or Milan Lucic and the this time here sure for sure i i would envision practices at those times being something like you know almo comes over to you and is like teach me how to protect myself if i ever have to and you're like sure but teach me how to stick handle like that or something oh he used to he used to give me stick handling tips and yeah yeah he used he he taught me this move on i remember so we there was this uh one practice they had all these kids from all these hockey teams come and watch at uh, the well it's Scotiabank now but ACC back then right yep. anyway so Alamo shows me how to this move to do on breakaways right and he, yeah he, he used to say don't squeeze your stick so hard he told me that but so anyway so he shows me this move and I go 8 for 8 on Balfour I scored 8 times it was unbelievable I'm like and he's losing it. Like, I don't know. Like, he, he's kind of got a he's, he's a great guy, but he's he's competitive, right? Like he's, you know, amazing. He's like, and all I can do is just score. Every time I shoot the puck, it's going by him. He's getting mad. I'm like, okay, I, he's gonna hurt me. <laughs> I better, I better, I better shoot one at his chest here just to make him feel good. <laughs> I was like, I was a pretty good teacher. I was like, man, I should do that move more often. I wish I would have knew that move my first five seconds into my first shift. <laughs> that story could be completely different. The whole yeah, story. I know, yeah, I should play with him sooner, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. You know, you look back on that. We. We'd start by talking in junior about Mark Savard, Joe Thornton. Now you're in the pros and you got Sundin and you got Mogilney. Who stood out to you as, as the best you got to be on a team with? Oh, like the, it was different moments, right? Sure. Like, and I played with Medano there in Dallas yeah. and he was amazing too. That guy was awesome. And, but I guess from what I, the impact on a game, like Sundin, sometimes he could take over a game. I don't know how to explain it. Like he would just dominate and be like, all of a sudden, he would win the game, and you knew it was all him, right? And like, I, you know, you'd see other players do it too, but just I, for him, it was I don't know. He just maybe he had a bigger presence than because I was in Toronto or whatever. But yeah, it seemed like that. But McGillney was probably probably the most talented i'd say he was pretty amazing like he was like it was ridiculous how good that guy was with the puck but yeah there's different things though you know i mean roberts there in toronto he was such a you know i mean and gary like maybe he wasn't as, as skilled as little guys but his presence on the ice and in, in the dressing room and yeah there was i was pretty lucky i i got to 
I played with a lot of great guys and great players over the years. So, wasn't that around the time too? Roberts was just an absolute fiend when it came to working out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was. He was. He was amazing. Uh, he was strong. He he battled back from that neck injury, right? right. And yeah, uh, and he had to do the things he had to do to get, keep himself playing at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. what was it like in Toronto then? Nathan, I mean, with that team and the expectations, you know, I described it earlier as the fishbowl. I can't think of another way to to describe it. What's it like there as a player? Well, like I was in Nashville before, right? And I get there, like Nashville, they had one beat writer that would come, like, it'd be one guy out for practice, right? And you, you go into the Maple Leafs dressing room after practice, there's 30 reporters. Like you have to, I, I would literally push guy. Like I get frustrated sometimes and I'd push reporters because it'd be in my way. <laughs> like, like I'd be kind of joking, but kind of not. Right. You know, like, like I'm trying to get to my, I want to get the stinky crap off me, you know, but you know, I was, I wasn't mean about it. It was kind of funny, but I was, was kind of laugh, but like, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just, there's so much, such a microscope on everybody. Right. Just because they're, you know, it's Toronto, right? So, so yeah, some guys can handle that pressure. I don't know, but it was so much easier. You know, I mean, even Dallas, you go to Dallas and, you know, I mean, it was a little more of the, I think there was like three guys, you know, not, not 30. And if something happened where it was exciting there would be like 50 reporters in the locker after practice, and, you know, like can't even get to your room because everyone's like, there's nowhere to walk. Yeah. It was crazy. What do you think now? Dubas, the moves, is this finally the year that the Leafs can break through? I hope so. I'm not, yeah, I'd be betting them if I knew, right? But <laughs> I think, I, yeah, no, I like the, I like the moves he's made. Like, you know, I'm bringing in a couple solid defensemen and, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's obviously he's already been there and, and won one. So he's, you know, it's, he got some, you know, got a guy like his leadership qualities in the room to help, you know, lead him. I, I, I'm hope I'm ex- you know I am anticipate I'm excited I hope they do well man that their division's so tough <laughs> they could play Tampa in the first round again like geez it's not easy and Boston and like yeah there's New Jersey's on that side and New York and yeah like it's not an easy road <laughs> that's for sure there's a lot of good teams out there this year so it's like yeah it's not going to be easy but hopefully hopefully. They, you know, make it past the first round, second round. <laughs> That's all we're asking for as Leafs fans yeah. right now. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. How'd you end up with the nickname Rock? Uh, you know, Marty Wilford there is a assistant coach in Buffalo. So we, we played junior together. We played pro together five years in a row before. Yeah. Yeah. So we played, we played together. We lived together two or three times over the course of our career there. Anyway, so we were. We were on a bus from, was it St. Louis? We were going from St. Louis to Indy. I just got sent down, I think. Yeah, that's how it was. Yeah, I played the exhibition game. We got sent down. Anyways, we're, we're, we're on the bus and we're playing Euchre. And the movie The Rock was on on the TV, right? And I was on the seat uh, closest or like I had to face the back, right? So I was facing the back to play the game, right? But I'd never seen the movie The Rock anyway. So me and Marty were playing against a couple other guys. And we were like, we were pretty good at Euchre back in the day. So we won a bunch of money, right? So I kind of lost interest in the, the card game and started watching the movie because I hadn't seen it. 
And so Marty starts calling me Rock. He goes, Rock, pay, pay attention to the cards, Rock. And he, so the next two weeks, every time he, he would talk to me, he'd say Rock about 16 times until it just finally stuck. And then it was always Rock. But <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad movie to be named, nicknamed after. It's not yeah, I pretty good. Right? I, yeah. it, I didn't watch it long ago. I like that. Yeah. I was just watching yeah. it the other day. I'm like, hey, this yeah. is all right. Yeah. <laughs> what um, what would be more likely you getting back into the ring for another bout or you showing up behind a bench again in hockey oh i yeah i definitely i'm getting old you know, i'm gonna be 47 this year i won't yeah i won't be fighting anymore I, yeah I, I definitely like coaching though coaching's yeah i like coaching a lot that was fun i was i was co i was helping out and St. Mary's at the beginning of the year and my, my son, my middle son, uh, Kevin, he's Andrew's younger brother. He, he just, he was playing there and he, he just didn't want to play anymore. And I just had enough. And then, so I was like, okay. And right, so he, he stopped playing hockey and I was like, I'd like coaching, but an hour and a half drive to practice four times a week and games. I was just like, you know, it's I couldn't do it anymore. They gave especially when he wasn't there, like and they understood. So and I think they're doing pretty good. They're playing Strathroy in the first round playoffs right now. I think they're up one nothing, I believe. I don't know if they're playing tonight or not. Anyway, I should check the schedule, but yeah. I hope they do well. Like yeah. They're good the coaching staff there. I really like them. And they're good it's a good team and anyway, but I do miss it. I do miss being in the locker room with the guys. It's it's fun. As a guy that played the game the way that you played it how did you feel when your kids were playing and got into a fight well andrew i just watched andrew fight wednesday <laughs> yeah, yeah. no i yeah i know how do i how do i say that I, again i want him to win but you know not not get hurt or not hurt anyone too bad bad enough that he win the fight but not bad enough the guy can't play the rest of the night you know <laughs> maybe enough to slow him down a bit whatever <laughs> You know, like it's just yeah, it is a weird feeling. I know the his mom gets a little more crazier than I would have, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think she's kind of used to because she would have seen me fight enough times in my life along the way. But you 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 mentioned earlier your memento from Switzerland. You still have the jersey. What else do you have for memorabilia from your time playing? Oh, I have a lot of jerseys. Yeah, Yeah. I got a silver medal from Switzerland too. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got like I was always a fan favorite. So I got a couple of trophies from a couple of different teams, being a you know a booster club award or whatever fan favorite kind of thing. They always seem to like the fighters, right? But a couple of those things, a couple of pucks I scored. I was thinking my goals, so I scored four goals in the NHL. So the first goal I scored when I was with Nashville, it. It was the game-winning goal, and it eliminated Calgary from the playoffs. So I got that puck. Yeah, that was – yeah. I remember we won 5-2, and Ginla scored both goals. But he was his – I think it was his 47th and 48th goal to see. That guy was amazing. But, yeah, he was on fire. But I remember before the game, we can't let Ginla score. If we score, we're not going to win this game. And he scores two, but we still won anyway. So then, Yeah. Then I got one from the Leafs, and it was just like, I don't know, that one's, yeah. I hit the post five times that year. But anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. My next goal, where was it? I got, it was my first game. It was my first game. 
with Dallas. Yeah, it was. It was the first game I got traded to Dallas. We're playing in Nashville. Yeah, so my first game with Dallas, I was playing in Nashville, and I get hit in front of the net, and I get laid out with a body check, and the puck goes back to the D. He shoots it, and the rebound was up in the air, and I, so I hit it out of the air into the net, right? And it popped up over Thomas Balcoon's uh, trapper, and he was swinging at it a couple times. It looked pretty cool. It was the ESPN high, highlight of the night, which is a huge deal. But I, it wasn't like I should give more credit to the announcer than me because he was going, look at the concentration on this kid. Oh, my God, it's amazing. And it was pretty funny. I can't find it on YouTube. I'm like, it was like it was on ESPN highlight of the night. I'm like, that's always tell my kids. Like, anytime they kind of give me back talk and I was saying once you're ESPN highlight of the night then you can talk right but you know because it's a big deal like you get on TSN it's you know I mean it's good it's good but you know I mean it's not ESPN you know I mean it's the states and they obviously like their you know baseball basketball football NASCAR and probably 16 other sports ahead of hockey but you know what I mean so if you get the highlight of the night it's good you know anyways but yeah it was a pretty cool goal and being my first game back in my first team, yeah, it was, it was neat. But really, what had happened though, when I got hit and I was, I was just rolling over trying to get on my feet because I remember I got laid out and I didn't even see the puck. My stick just accidentally hit. <laughs> it accidentally just hit the puck out of the air and went, popped it up and scored. I didn't even know I hit it until after I scored. Everyone was celebrating. I was like, oh my goodness, yeah. But oh, then my next, man. yeah, my next goal is uh, I was ooh, uh, Steve Ott dropped it in, just dropped it to me, and just inside the blue line, and I had a uh, one timer top glove on Nikolai Habibulin, which was game winning goal as well. So I was pretty happy about that one too. Yeah. That's yeah, my I, four. That's why I only got four because I got some memory issues now with all the punches that I had. So I, if I had any more, I wouldn't be able to remember. So there you go. That's fair. Count them one, two, three, four. Rattle them all off. The goalie you beat. The highlight of the night. You got it all. What? What more do you need, Rock? What more yeah, do you need? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Ten more. I need eleven more games so I get a hundred. I only played eighty-nine games. Right? So, yeah. so I'm like, just thinking. Games. You know, all the time you spent all over the damn place, you know, through the minors, the show must have just felt like the greatest 89 games of your life. Well, I was there for 194. Apparently I'm really good in the weight room. (laughs) 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 But no, yeah, it's honestly like you can't even, you know, when you think about how good it could be, it's probably even better, right? Like there's, there's no, I can't describe how amazing it is when you're there. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. You know what I mean? It, the it, it's a hard because you're always on edge. Like when am I going to get sent down? When, you know what I mean? It's it's very competitive that way, and you always. But it's like, you know, what I mean, you're just doing everything you can to help the team win, no matter whether you're in the lineup or not. You know, you're just always trying to be ready and get bigger and stronger. But they, you know, the way they treat you, and you know, obviously the money is really nice too. But you know, it's it's pretty good. The team like. It's a little like I can't even explain the way it feels different in the locker room and stuff. Like everyone's just seems happier. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. Anyway, say the least. Well, if it's one thing we'll take away from this conversation, it's that hard work is also a skill. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 it is isn't it you gotta work yeah, at it i agree for sure absolutely yeah. absolutely i really appreciate you taking time to do this it's been a lot of fun thanks for sitting down and having the conversation oh thanks for having me i really appreciate it hi i'm emily roger And I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vail. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.